morning, and thank you to the worship team for leading us in that time. Uh, just really encouraged to be physically present with you all and worshiping with you, and praying that you at home uh, were encouraged as well in that time of worship. Uh, as you know, Pastor Leanne is on sabbatical this month, and so as a church, we get the blessing of hearing from other voices and um, other leaders in our community, and uh, it's my privilege today to be able to introduce Pastor Terrence Rollerson. Uh, he works and serves with Pastor Leon in a ministry of pastors. Uh, Pastor Chris on our worship team is also part of it, uh, and so I'm grateful that they were able to connect in that way. Uh, Terrence has pastored five churches over 20 years in Minnesota and Michigan. He says there are two passions that have guided him throughout his career. One is loving people through pastoral care, the other, multi-ethnic ministry. He earned his Master's of Divinity from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, and he is ordained with the Evangelical Covenant Church. Terrence has been married to Michelle for 29 years, and he considers it a blessing to be father to Michaela and Elijah. And so, Pastor Terrence, I'm going to pray for you, and we will uh, invite you to come and share God's Word with us. Lord, uh, we know that you have not hidden yourself from us, you've not made your ways unknown, but you have revealed yourself through Scripture, uh, through the, the person of Jesus Christ. And today we are uh, looking forward to and, and hearing more about uh, how you've revealed yourself in Scripture through uh, the words and the teaching of Pastor Terrence. Pray that you would be able to speak through him, um, that we would have ears to listen to what he has to say. Lord, that any uh, distractions or any um, convictions that we have that are getting in the way, Lord, that we could set those aside and that we could, with humility, um, hear from your word and hear from Pastor Terrence. Speak through him, Lord, um, and give us the humility to listen. Amen. Pastor Terrence, come on up. And I say good morning to both our online Brothers and sisters, and those who are here today, it is a great pleasure to be here. Uh, thank Pastor Leon for inviting me. I'm going to get some distractions out of my pocket. <laughs> um, and Leon, if you're sneaking a peek, I pray that you are enjoying and resting well. Trust and know your brothers and sisters here at Mac Avenue are caring for the body well. Uh, let me open us just up in a word of prayer over this particular scripture this morning. Um, I'm very excited to see uh, what God might do in your hearts over this word. Blessed God. How good you are. How faithful you are. I thank you for this opportunity to be your mouthpiece in this moment of time. I pray, God, that as I have thought about this word and prayed over it, Father God, one, I pray that it is according to your will. It is pleasing to you, and it will benefit your precious people. God, I pray that you would empty this vessel as I normally do. Empty this vessel named Terrence. And in this moment, refill it with a fresh pouring out of your Holy Spirit. God, though I may have put some words on a page, it is not about 
the exact words that I've put down, but more about you speaking to the hearts of your children. So God, where I fail, Lord, may you be seen strong, Father. Where I flub over words out of my, out of my stuff, may you speak boldly and clearly. And in all things, God, may you be praised, glorified, and honored. I pray this in your blessed and holy name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, you can turn into the book of Genesis. The text will be on the screen as well, but if you want to read it, look at the words closely. We're in chapter 22 of Genesis And I'm going to be starting our reading at verse 9 and going to about verse 19. Genesis 22, verse 9 through 19 says this. When they arrived at that place that God had told him about, Abraham built there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar, uh, on, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, uh, since you have not withheld your, your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram, ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time uh, from heaven and said, By myself, I have sworn this is the Lord's decoration. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offsprings as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men and they got up and went to, together to Bathsheba. And Abraham settled in Bathsheba. Today, I want to deal with the theme of wrecked by God, wrecked for God. 
wrecked by God, wrecked for God. But let me, let me kind of uh, just remind us, and maybe for some that may not have read this, this piece of, 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 the, of the story of Abraham, let me just kind of set the backdrop just a bit. After about 25 years uh, of waiting to have a son, Abraham faces a test of faith. God instructs him to take Isaac, his only son, and the heir to God's promise to a mountain and sacrifice him. There are two things that are taking place within this text right away. God asks Abraham to go to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son Isaac. Abraham obeyed God and took Isaac up the mountain. The second thing is on the way. So the first thing is that, uh, that, that uh, Abraham did what God asked. He obeyed. The second thing is on the way, Isaac kept asking his father what they would be sacrificing. If you can imagine for yourself just a moment, children in the backseat of a car wondering where in the world we're going. When it became clear what was happening, Isaac obeyed his father. Abraham obeyed his father. Isaac obeyed his father, even though it was probably tremendously frightening to Isaac. So let's deal with the scripture a little piece by piece. The first part of it is God told him, told Abraham, told him to go. And then Abraham has a response and goes. He builds the altar. He lays the wood. He binds the, bow, the, the boy and lays his son on the altar. The Abraham is not going through the emotions and hoping that God will provide an exit plan. He is, he is prepared to obey God completely, regardless of the cost and the outcomes. Now, I know people, some people will get caught up with uh, uh, um, God calling for his son to be, uh, for him to kill his son, but just hang on for a minute. We're, uh, I want to make sure we dig some stuff out here. See, steps of, of obedience are not a means by which we control God and ensure his holding on, uh, uh, Abraham's holding on to the blessing, Isaac, but rather obedience to God and worship of him is the end goal. All the time, every day, 24-7, that's the end goal. Abraham loves, and, and then he obeys the one who blesses more than he loves the blessing. Abraham loves God more than he loves the blessing that came from God. And then the angel of the Lord calls out while Abraham's in the midst, he has done the work. 
His arm is now raised and he has grabbed the knife and he is ready to do what God called him to do. And the angel of the Lord calls out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. God is about to do something. Stops him from harming his son. And Abraham then responds, here I am. It is hard to sacrifice the thing you've been praying for for so very long. In this moment of time, I stand before you about to move to Minnesota. I came to Detroit on a dream and a blessing. For my 20 years leading up to my time of being in Detroit, I had prayed that God would give me the church that would reflect all the parts that he has poured into me. And he did. He gave me that church. He gave me the people to love. He gave me the ministry of multicultural, multi-ethnic ministry. And 18 months later, he asked me to lay it on the altar. My Isaac number one was this Detroit church. The dream of this church, the culmination of my career was this church. And he asks me to lay it on the altar. My Isaac number two, as I came to Detroit, was around my dyslexia. See, about my sophomore year of college, many years ago, I discovered I had dyslexia. So I went through all those years of elementary, junior high, high school, uh, a year and a half into college, and I find out I have dyslexia. But there was something that God still needed me to deal, needed to deal with me on. See, when I became a pastor, I literally felt like I heard God say, I want, you, I want to use all of your life experience to bless other people. But in my mind, my dyslexia was not a part of the equation because that's the broken side of me. That's the side that I felt was the broken side of me. But that wasn't the broken side that God saw. That was the side God included. And maybe, in fact, that was the very thing that God was speaking to me that I wouldn't hear because I, see, I saw it as the broken side. So God was asking me, as we went into COVID shutdown, to lay my dyslexia 
on the altar. And here how, here's how he asks me to lay it on the altar. I have never, ever uh, um, considered myself an author or a writer. I struggle. Because of my dyslexia, I struggle with getting words on the page. And, and actually, part of my dyslexia, there's a piece that actually speaks to literally the words that I see in my head. I have difficulty actually getting them on the page from here to paper. And at the top of COVID, God says, this is going to be a season of you writing. Say, what? Lay your Isaac down and obey me. So that's what I proceeded to do. Found a way just to get those words out. Oftentimes I needed to speak it into my computer. Isaac, number three, was literally living in Detroit. See, I saw this as almost like a homecoming for me. Because most of my professional career doing multi-ethnic ministry has been in the context of a larger white community. And, and indeed, many of the churches that I pastored were uh, were predominantly white, trying to help move them towards a greater understanding of racial justice. And so that came at a cost for me. The cost had been, has been, had been that I felt that I had become a little disconnected culturally from my people, from my black folk. So moving to Detroit, for me, was God blessing me to reconnect to a community of people that I so dearly love. Now, three years later, God said, you came from Minnesota to Detroit, and now it's time for you to go back back into a predominantly white culture. My dream of living in a community where I would continue to do my work uh, that he has called me to for all these years, but yet being a part of a community where I see far more people like me on a much regular basis. Now, that's not to say I am not saying that they ain't black folks up in Minnesota. I'm simply saying I don't see them as much because of the circles that I were walking in. My time here in Detroit, or moving out from Detroit, God has asked me to, in some ways like Abraham, take what I've prayed for, and what he has given as a blessing and release it to him. I don't know if you've ever been in a space where you know God has moved and spoken to you and has released something to you and then seemingly want to take it back. 
It's a scary place. And if I'm going to be real, real, it's a place that wrecked me. As I believe it wrecked Abraham. All those years of praying, God, give me a son. Give me an heir to what you give me. And then he gives it to him. In the midst of this, I want to make sure you capture this picture. This happened for Abraham in his much more older years. and, and, And Sarah didn't have it going on the way she used to. And God blessed him with this child. And now God calls out to him and says, take that boy, go up the mountain, prepare an altar, and sacrifice him. The angel of the Lord says, now I know that you fear God. You reverence God. Now I know. And as Tony Evans puts it sometimes, when God sees your worship, he makes your provision. When God sees your worship, he makes your provision. Because let's not miss the point. Abraham going up the mountain was an act of worship. To God. His love, his obedience, it was an act of worship to God. Today, you may need to look, and I would challenge all of us to look at our Isaacs as an opportunity to worship. I'm going to worship in spite of my pain. I'm going to worship in spite of my circumstance. I'm going to worship in spite of the valley I currently find myself in. It is said that Abraham looked around him and perceived and saw behind him something he did not see before. Went up the mountain, he prepared an altar, laid the wood, tied the boy, laid the boy, and was about to take care of business. And in all that time on that mountain, he didn't see anything else. But then he sees behind him an unseen, God mysteriously prepares his gift for his own, making it your worship is when he provides. You may not see it when you are worshiping. You may not see it when you make the decision that I'm going to obey God. But at the right moment, God will provide. God will provide. Here's the second thing. 
God responds to Abraham. Your fear of God, your reverence of God, you didn't hold back. And then he provides a ram. When we worship, when we are worshiping the one we say we love, we have to stop holding back. Many people are wondering why God is not moving in my life. I dare say we might be holding back. That God calls us to something and we hold it back. Or we give 80% of it and we hold back some of it. I believe it was uh, Saul. God told Saul to take care of this army, to do away with all of them. And again, this is a place in the Old Testament that people wonder, why did God kill all these folks? Told Saul to do something, but Saul held back. I forget in this moment the name of the army that he was supposed to take care of. But the peace he, he held back was the peace that ultimately became his undoing. Do you catch that? When we hold back a piece, it becomes our undoing when we're dealing with God. See, God, has God called you to sacrifice something for him? If so, are you ready to make that sacrifice or are you still struggling with holding on to it? I wanted to tell you a quick story in, in terms of how God has been faithful to my wife and I as we return back to Minnesota. Somewhat like Detroit, but even more so, the, the, the reality, realist, uh, housing market in Minnesota is crazy, expensive. We literally cannot afford to buy a home in Minnesota as we move back. Even more importantly, as we rested and said, okay, it's not our time. We're not buying a house, so we'll just rent, which is just fine, right? Have no issues with that. But the rental market is just as crazy, if not more so. In fact, that as we started to look for a property, a, a, something that we can call home, we discovered at the price point where we were able to spend, one of two things was taking place. It was either a place that the price was jacked up and the house, the property, was jacked up. Or we would have to downsize to under a thousand square feet. Nothing wrong with living in a space of a thousand square feet. But let's just say we got 20 years of stuff. Don't fit in a thousand square feet of space. So we are wondering what we are going to do. We went uh, to Minnesota in July, 
for a couple of reasons. And while we're out there, we thought, well, this is the perfect time to try to find something, right? And in the 11th hour of being in Minnesota, and we have not found anything, my wife comes across a post on, market pay, on Marketplace advertising this house. Y'all, I just want to make sure, because as I'm about to say something, I want to make sure I'm abundantly clear on this. I am not a name it, claim it person. But what I want to tell you, what I want to share with you, is that we are about to enter into a million-dollar house that fits our price point on a lake. Now, look how I want you just to hear how God set this up. This particular house has in its basement kind of an in-law suite that houses a caretaker. It's the brother of the owner of the house, takes care of the property. So what they're renting out is then the first level and the second level. And in the ad, the ad says, or the way that it was stated or seemingly stated, was like, you're going to room with somebody. And in Minnesota, there's a law in this particular city, which is Roseville, that only four people can live in a rental property. Right? That's two caretakers. Right? And... and and so that means only two more can. So here's what occurred. As people read the ad, they quickly probably, this is, this is my guesstimation, they quickly said, well, I don't want to live with any roommates. That property's out. If you have a child or two, that property is out. This is a five, the, the main level and the upstairs, five bedrooms on a lake, million-dollar property, at a price point we can afford. How does that happen? Right? I think back in the day, we might have said it this way. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? And again, I'm not a name and claim it guy, but God set this thing up so that we now have a place to call home. We now have a place to reside. We now have a place to begin to operate out of. God swears he will bless. He will multiply. He will bless others. God swears. When God asked me to lay down my dyslexia and write books, I did just that. Wrote, I wrote four books, a children's book, two devotionals, and a larger work called Broken Yet Called. That's going to drop at the end of October. I don't know how many people are going to see it, but it's going to be positioned to see, be seen by many. That ain't me. That's God saying, lay down your dyslexia and let me work in you and through you to get something on a page that can bless others. So 
See, I want you to understand that the swearing of God by himself is, is an anthropomorphic expression of, of the irreversible, ensured promise of Jehovah. For which he so to speak pledged uh, uh, in a way on his own personality. What he is saying to Abraham is, if you sacrifice your son, I will do this, this, and this. And I will guarantee it by my character. Oh, that's an amazing gift to me. See, God's promises are confirmed by his oath. It's important to understand that there is often an escape of a, a lapse of time between the giving of God's promise and the fulfillment. See, oftentimes when we come to this text of Abraham, our expectation as we put ourselves in the story is that as I move forward, God's going to have a ram in the bush. Can I tell you that the reality is, as we live day to day, we don't get the ram in the bush right then and there. Our ram comes some other time some other way down the road. But here's the thing. It comes because of God's oath, because of who he is. This time cap occurs because God is getting his promise ready for you and for I. As Abraham was walking up the mountain, with his son preparing to do as God said on the other side of the mountain. God had a ram wandering up the other side and getting caught up in a bush. That's how God works. He calls us to step forward, to step into what he's calling us to, what he's asking us to. And at the same time, he's already at work preparing what is needed, not so much for you and for me, but for his glory. See, God wrecks us sometimes. He wrecks us for himself. We get wrecked by God and we get wrecked for God. The God is a promise keeper. He's not a promise breaker. And when he makes his oath, he has the power to pull off the very thing that he speaks. It is not for you or for me to understand how God is keep doing this, but it is that we've got to do the finishing work of obedience. And when that happens, he is ready to take over. See, in the text, he talks about multiplying his descendants as the stars in the heaven, the sand on the sea. This is all for his glory. He blessed Abraham, not so that Abraham could have a son, have an heir. He blessed Abraham so that there would be many others that would come to know 
him. That's you and me. Because he called Abraham to that mountain to sacrifice his son, he had us in mind. How amazing is that? Then there's one last thing as I begin to try to wrap this up. See, we oftentimes miss verse 19, or we read over it very quickly. This is where Abraham went back to, uh, to Beersheba and dwelt there, lived there. Now, there's something that you need to understand about Bathsheba. You can do a word study on this and find that there's a lot that can be said about this location. When Abraham went back to Bathsheba, Abraham honored God, honored God for the situation. He planted a tree and he worshiped God and calling on the name of the Lord God, the eternal Abraham worshiped on the mountaintop. When it was done, he went back to this place where he lived and worshiped God. See, Bathsheba can be seen as, a, as, as symbolizing those events in our lives that, that cause us to call on the name of the Lord. The date or the place where, the, where we experience a turning point uh, becomes a memorial in our heart. Like, like this, this place, this tree he planted, uh, it became an altar, uh, uh, an altar at Bathsheba where Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac worshiped God. When God reveals his will to us or rescues us in some way, we can create a personal Beersheba, in our hearts, then when times of doubt come or conflict come, and they will come. Anybody not know that conflict will come? When it comes, we can return there over and over in our hearts for assurance that God is fulfilling his plan. Let me just give you a quick, uh, a quick example. As Jacob and the Hebrew children were leaving Canaan, Canaan uh, leaving uh, to head to Canaan, uh, uh, Joseph's, there was an invitation by Joseph. They came to Beersheba, and God spoke to Joseph, Joseph in a dream, telling him four truths. First, I am God. Second, do not be afraid to go where I am leading you. Third, my purpose for you there, my purpose for you is to be there, not here. And fourth, I will go with you. Amen? God speaks and says, I am God. Don't be afraid of where you got to go. 
where I'm leading you. My purposes for you there is there, not here. And I will go with you. We forget those four things so quickly because our eyes are on the circumstance. Our eyes are on the conflict. Our eyes are on the hurt. Our eyes are on the result, whether or not it's going to do what we want it to do. And today I want you just to consider where God is leading you. Now read God's promise. Get that picture in your mind. Where might be God speaking and leading you? Then remember God's promise. I am God. Do not be afraid. I have purposes for you over there, not here. And I will go with you. By principle, they are also God's promises to us. I have all sorts of fears about moving back to Minnesota. I've been out of work for a year and a half. More than that now. Have not many prospects on the horizon at this point. But God has called us to go. That hasn't told me what I'm doing. Just go. And as I go, I go understanding that he is God. I'm going to fight against the fear. I'm understanding that his purposes are for me there, not here. And he's going with us, going with me. Here's a, as I wrap this up, here's something that I just want you to catch. Oh, it's such a, a, a big, important point of this whole story. Jesus, defying, defending his divinity, says to unbelieving Jews these words in John 8, 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, Jesus says. He saw it and was glad. Mount Moriah, where Isaac was to be sacrificed, is just a short way from Calvary, where Jesus was sacrificed. Abraham's on Mount Moriah, and he looks up, and just not that far away is the space where Jesus is going to be sacrificed. Abraham was able to obey a difficult command because he saw the pre-incarnated Jesus, who, when God calls you and me to trust and obey him, in a hard situation, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We have to trust him. We have to obey him. We have to honor him. We have to experience him. See, the reality of God's promises are waiting for us. 
Because of Jesus' sacrifice, which is the same as what the, uh, the angel of the Lord did for Abraham in the Old Testament, Isaac was a type of sacrifice that ultimately God would do in, a, in, the, in that particular time that had all sorts of benefits for you and for me. See, God becomes our Jehovah Jireh today because he is the provider. We can say hallelujah anyhow. In the, in the midst of pain, we can say hallelujah anyhow. In the midst of loneliness, we can say hallelujah anyhow. In the midst of our situations, we can shout hallelujah anyhow. See, God wants to be our Jehovah Jireh today. See, are you willing to offer your Isaac? That's the question. Are you willing to offer your Isaac? Are you willing to show him that you show God that you fear him by offering your Isaac? So that he shows you and the world that Calvary can do, uh, what Calvary can do in the messed up, twisted up, backward situation of our lives. Jesus, God sacrifices his son so that he would break in to our broken world and claim us and hold us and empower us and love us in such a way that it speaks countercultural to the world we live in. Calvary is for you and for me. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know whether or not someone is listening uh, via online that has not been walking with Jesus at all. It's a new concept. There are others that have just been dipping their toe. There are others that are in and out of the tub. Come to Jesus. Come this moment and allow Jehovah Allow God to be your provider as you turn your life over to God. God is set and ready to do everything necessary to allow you to live a life of peace, of rest, of comfort in the midst of this broken and fallen world. I say that to you not because I've read it, I say it to you because I have experienced it. Last three years have been in some ways hell. Y'all know it. I know it. I'm just saying it. But in the midst of it, God has shown how good and faithful he is. So I offer this to you today. And I pray that you will leave and claim whatever you need to claim.
so that he can provide what he provides for you. Father God, I thank you for this moment of time. God, I recognize (laughs) this is all about you. May some aspect of what I have said do what is necessary in the hearts of your people. Bring them to the place that you desire them to be. God, if there are some Isaacs that they need to sacrifice, God, show them what it is and help them to understand and to know you have a plan. God, as always, may you be honored. May you be glorified. I pray this in the mighty name of our Savior, our Christ, and my hero, Jesus. Amen.